Welcome to episode 27 of Jimmy D and Mr. B. I am Jimmy D. And I am Mr. B. And we're talking history and I love when we go topical, Jimmy. We are going very much that way. And we've chosen an Olympic athlete, one who most of you have probably heard of, but I don't know if you know his whole story. And it's Jesse Owens um, for this week. And obviously it's the Olympics at the moment. And I've just watched the 100 meter sprint finals and I'm pumped. Yeah, I have a fever. It's called Olympic fever. And the only way to uh, sort of manage it is to pump more Olympics into my veins. Exactly right. I love the Olympics. I love sport in general. So it's basically the last week has been absolutely beautiful. I've watched pretty much as much sport as humanly possible, Clint. Yeah, me too. And um, every four years or occasionally five years due to uh, global pandemics. Um, I get absolutely pumped ever since I was a wee um, boy watching, you know, Nikki Webster at the Sydney Olympic opening ceremony. What a time that was. And yeah, and in honor of the Olympics, I wanted to do an Olympic athlete and I thought who better to choose than uh, Jesse Owens. He's an amazing athlete. He's an amazing human being. And I thought that it would be a great time to bring him out. And we also love doing the sports podcast. Hopefully this will get us onto ESPN one day, Clint. Yeah. And if you've got the fever, like we do, um, we do have a couple of other Olympic related episodes out there um, on Jim Thorpe, a great Olympian himself, and also uh, the worst um, event ever run at an Olympics, the 1904 marathon. So check those out if you uh, need to cure the fever at any point. Yeah. So um, like I said, we've chosen uh, uh, Jesse Owens. Um, we'll start with his early life, Clint. And it's probably as you might imagine for a young uh, African uh, American kid uh, growing up in the South, it wasn't all fantastic. Um he was, he was the youngest of 10 children, so that's a lot of kids in 1913. Um, so his family wasn't super rich, and not surprisingly, he was the grandson of a slave. Um, at the age of nine, he and his family moved to Cleveland, Ohio for um, some more opportunities, as there weren't that many opportunities for Black people in the South in America at that time, Clint. No, and yeah, this is so close to not only um, slavery, like he's so closely removed generationally from that, but also um, Great Depression occurring around this time as well. So, um, and he was in Alabama. Fun fact about Alabama, I actually heard that Carl Lewis was also from Alabama. So it's got a great uh, reputation for producing Olympic champions. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, so they moved to Ohio during the Great uh, Migration, which is when 1.5 million African-Americans, they left the segregated South for the urban and in uh, for the urban North. So there's Why? much. I mean, they probably just didn't like the heat, I'm guessing. It's pretty hot down South, it's a bit cooler up North, less racism <laughs> maybe that... as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less, um, yeah, less slavery, less racism. Yeah. Um, so Yeah, I could see why they'd migrate. Yeah, so, so that happened. And then um, as a youth, though, he took some menial jobs in his spare time. He delivered groceries, loaded freight cars and worked in a shoe repair shop while his father and older brother worked in a steel mill. So at, from a young age, he's already working pretty hard. He's probably not getting a lot of school in. Um, but it was during this time, though, that he would realize he had a passion for uh, running and in that sprinting. Um, and throughout his life, Owens attributed a lot of his success to his 
the to to a coach he had Charles Riley in his junior high school, um, which was at Fairmont Junior High School. Um, and being a nice coach, since Owens had to work during the day, he would allow him to train before and after school. So it's a pretty interesting start to his life so far, Clint. Yeah, I heard a few interesting stories about him growing up. Like obviously they were they were dirt poor um, when many others were. I actually heard a story that he was actually quite a sick kid. I don't know if you've seen this. And he had like a growth on his chest. Yeah. And rather than being able to afford to go to the doctor's, his mum actually like heated up a knife and actually cut it out, like cauterized the wound. Um, and it was like a turmeric growth on his chest. So um, he could have been done at a pretty early age and um, somehow survived some backyard uh, surgery. That's insane. And I mean, yeah, like we're just thinking, and we just want to talk about like the difference of his upbringing compared to like a white kid in America, like that white kid would have gone to the hospital. He would have got, the best care and he would have been fine and that kid wouldn't have been working four jobs to help his family survive either so just a really big uh like uh thing between white kids in america and the black kids in america where they were basically fighting to survive while the others were just able to be kids yeah and by all accounts he still got to be a kid i heard that his favorite times he used to say was just like running through fields as a child and like obviously he had that passion yeah um and even though he did have a rough start he did make it to high to uh college clint he got he went to ohio state university but unlike many other students um who were as talent who weren't even as talented as him he wasn't able to get a scholarship yeah, that's crazy. Like nowadays, um, Ohio State University is a massive, massive athletics program, like huge football team. Um, anyone with a drip of talent would get a scholarship there. Exactly right. And he was probably more talented than most people who have gone there even now. So um, again, just another one of the obstacles he had to face, but it didn't phase him. He just worked jobs and he was and he was able to pay off his loans and, his, and he was able to compete in... Um, uh, his in in all in all the sports days that were available, and um, he didn't just compete; he absolutely uh, dominated Clint. Yeah, he had a um, I suppose high school and collegiate um, because he actually got recruited to Ohio State. I actually heard before he got recruited there in high school, he matched a world record as a high school student. Which, which is insane. Um, you wouldn't really hear about at the moment. Yeah. No, I mean, I went to a um, high, when I was in high school, there was no one even close to breaking any world records in running. Yeah. And I guess when we think about it, like people reach their athletic peaks, you know, 25 to 30, like within that range when they've combined training with their bodies developing. And he was um, already meeting current world records at that point as a high school student. No wonder he got to go to athletic <laughs> Ohio State pretty strange that you can um achieve a world record or match a world record and not get a scholarship though exactly right and it was on this day um may may 25th 1935 which is around about a year year before the olympics that it's what is called the greatest 45 minutes in sport um i don't know if any of you have watched the uh the movie race about uh, owens but it covers this and it's absolutely an amazing day clint yeah, I've heard. And I haven't watched the movie Race and I am really keen to after researching this because this is a feat unlike, you know, pretty much anything I've heard of of a super established athlete, let alone a collegiate athlete. 
exactly right. So he equaled the world. Uh, he equaled all the records for the hundred yard uh, uh, dash. That's not to be confused with the hundred. M- uh, the normal 100 meter race it's a little bit shorter but he did that in 9.4 seconds which is extremely quick and he also set world records in uh the long jump where he jumped eight meter over eight meters and that record would last for 25 years he also ran the 201 meter sprint in 20.3 seconds and the 220 yard low hurdles in 22.6 seconds becoming the first to break 23 seconds that's insane yeah four world records either tied or defeated in 45 minutes by a collegiate athlete is crazy and even like I was watching the long jump today and the guys that won were jumping about eight meters 30. Yeah. And he jumped eight meters 13 in 1935. Like, you know, the amount of development in technique technology since that, and he would actually still probably be pretty close to the podium now in 1935 as a collegiate athlete is well, ridiculous. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of the sprinting and his time still stacks up pretty well like i watched the 100 meter final last night he would have he would have come in like the top five still just based on the training that he had done himself not even if he had worked at worked at it in 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 the modern world he in the modern times he he would have he would have held up there still which is in which is pretty insane to think and just shows how much raw uh talent he actually had yeah you give him a quality coach now with uh the spike shoes and the um, tracks that they work on now and he would be blitzing records I reckon yeah so I thought that might bring up a good time to talk about what Olympic moments you've seen Clint and what we've seen and what are some of the events or feats that have uh, impressed you yeah so I think the easiest parallel to talk about is the great Usain Bolt um, as you know us growing up in our teens and um, you know going into our 20s Usain Bolt was the man and similar events, 100, 200. And I think his, uh, was it Beijing Olympics where he beat the 100 record, 200 record and four by 100? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, just absolutely. Yeah, I think in the parallels, like that's that's what I can think of. That'll be that thing I tell my grandkids about one day is watching Usain Bolt um, be the fastest man on the planet. Yeah, I think for me, uh, the four by 100 um, men's swimming event in in Sydney, where yes. where four Australians they took on the might of the USA. No one expected them to win. No one expected them to even get a bronze. I don't think, and they absolutely smashed it. And I remember even as like a ten year old, how impressed I was, and I was just so taken back by how much they wanted it and how how far they would go to win. And I think um, uh, Kathy Freeman winning the four hundred meters as well. I remember being. Uh, woken up at night by my grandma while I was away at Eden on holiday. And I remember sitting on the couch watching that and just being amazed at the, uh, just at the race and, and uh, how she ran it. Yeah. And again, like similar parallels with Kathy Freeman, cause I'm exactly the same. That was iconic as a kid, um, you know, breaking down barriers as well, yeah. similar to what, what Jesse Owens did um, for his community. And yes, I still remember like, and, and they play it on Channel 7 all the time, the air guitar. Yeah. Um, after the 4 by 100 men's relay, relay with Klimi and Ian Thorpe. And um, that was absolutely iconic. Yeah, so good. Um, and that will I bring think us- we should also like 
just just because of the timing of it and the swimming's just com- um, finished, one day people will be talking about the women's Australian swim team. Oh, they're um, amazing from from the Tokyo Olympics, um, particularly your Kate McKeons and Ariana Titmus and people like that. Like some of the best Olympic moments as an Australian I've seen um, in the last week. Yeah, I think in uh, in in twenty years, if, if we're still doing uh, um, the the old history podcast, that uh, I'm sure I'm I'm uh, sure that we'll be talking about them because they're truly amazing women who I'm sure have inspired um, a generation of young boys and girls who uh, aim to swim at, at at the Olympics. And that's what the Olympics is all about, I reckon. Oh, exactly. Yeah, so that brings us to the start of the 1936 Olympic Games, Clint. And even before the game started, there was a fair bit of stuff going on. And these events would really lead into what was going to happen in uh, the near future. Yeah, the fact that it was it was 1936 and it was in Berlin. So um, anyone that knows anything about 20th century history would know that uh, Berlin and Germany in general was a pretty... Um, I suppose, controversial area in the mid to late 30s leading into World War II. Yeah, so at this stage, obviously, you've got um, Hitler, who's fairly much in power at the moment. He's 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 at the games. Um, and, and you've got a bit happening before the game. So at the time, obviously, Hitler was, was trying to get rid of uh, the Jewish people in Germany. And there was a bit of... Um, situation where a lot of countries didn't want to compete if there was going to be this thing of oh we won't have certain athletes competing because of uh their of their race and stuff like that yeah and i guess when the olympic committee or international olympic committee awarded the games to germany and to berlin um this was in 1931 so hitler only actually took over a couple of years later so when the olympics were awarded to germany they were you know, keen to get back on the world stage after, um, you know, World War One and being, you know, almost cast out of the world stage for a long time um, due to them being the perceived enemy through that. So I suppose the Olympic Committee couldn't have foreseen that a couple of years later Hitler no. would take over and Germany would be what it would become. And obviously um, a lot of countries would have been reluctant to go. Exactly, yeah. And um, obviously, I think even Owens was told probably shouldn't go. And there was a lot of American athletes who weren't going to go. But Avery uh, Brundage is a man who kind of set the wheels in motion for um, the United States to compete, but did it in a pretty uh, average way. Yeah, so he was the head of... So Avery Brundage was the head of the American Olympic Committee and the um, Athletic Committee, I believe, for America. And he was actually sent over to Germany to suss out, hey, is this Hitler guy really as bad as we hear? Are the Jews being persecuted unfairly? Should we send our athletes? And Avery Brundage came back and goes, yeah, they're fine. It's all good. Let's send our athletes over. No, no issues whatsoever. So either he was blind or he really wanted to compete in the Olympics. And I think we know which one that may have been, Clint. Yeah, I've heard it was kind of like the, you know, like when people go into North Korea and they see like, you know, <laughs> Kim Jong shows them all like the lovely parts and um, ignore the poverty, ignore all the human atrocity that's going on. Yeah, and 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 for those people who may not didn't know what Germany were doing, they were basically barring anyone of uh, Jewish descent from competing in the games. And probably if you 
but essentially anyone who wasn't German. Um, and they were at the stage of they were rounding up Jews at this point in Germany and they were probably sending them to very early stages of uh, what a, a concentration camp was. So, yeah, it wasn't a great time. And, and uh, clearly Avery, I, I, maybe he got paid off. Maybe he just didn't care. But um, he, he got the United States in the Olympics. To, he got the United States to keep going in the Olympics. And this would be where... Uh, Owens would uh, really shine Clint. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I suppose this was a real propaganda opportunity for the Germans as well. And this new Nazi party um, in charge to show off their um, supreme Aryan athletes, their blonde hair, blue eyes, um, pale skinned athletes. And Jesse Owens um, would, you know, be a bit of a thorn in his side exactly right yeah hitler wanted to show the world what a white man could do but jesse owens would yeah like we said he would uh not make that easy for him so in 1936 owens and his united states teammates sailed on the ss manhattan and arrived in germany to compete in the summer olympics in uh berlin and um, according to fellow American sprinter James Luval, who won the bronze in the 400 metres, Owens arrived at the new Olympic Stadium to throngs of fans, many of them young girls, yelling, woe ist Jesse, woe ist Jesse, which is where is Jesse, where is Jesse? So clearly... I was hoping you'd do that in a more German accent, but yeah. that's okay. <laughs> well, I, well I, I didn't want to give the Germans any, uh, any light in this. I wanted them to just be like the not in the in the in in the spotlight and if i did a german accent then we'd all just love germany so so yeah so he's clearly made a huge name for himself even before he's come to germany clint which i found quite surprising yeah i mean but he's smashing world records in um in college like that 45 minutes of fame um must have been spread around the world to any athletics fans and um you know any onlookers Exactly, yeah. And actually, even just before the competition started, the founder of Adidas Shoe Company, uh, A.D. Uh, 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 Dustler, visited Owens in the Olympic Village and actually persuaded Owens to wear his shoes. And this was the first sponsorship for an African-American athlete, which, again, astounds me. Like, you think of all the athletes today, it's they've all got some multiple sponsorships and at this time he was the first to get one i think that's i get another huge achievement for him and just spoke um about how impressive he was as a man and as an athlete yeah it was great that he was so marketable as well and i found when i um, read this uh, it was a little bit of a funny um i suppose when we compare it to jim thorpe who we've talked about before who won olympic gold medals in uh two shoes that he found that didn't match each other in the rubbish it was nice to yeah. see that uh, Jesse Owens had some good kit. Exactly right. And uh, and it clearly it helped because on August 3rd, um, Owens would race the 100 metres. Now, I don't know if you've been watching the 100 metres, the people who are listening, but it's a huge build-up. It's one of the, like, the premier events of the Olympics. And it's really a moment for people to shine. And Jesse Owens would indeed shine in this race, Clint. Yeah, it's the fastest man on the planet. That's the draw card. And it's always really, really exciting. Yeah, so he would he would actually easily win with a time of 10.3 seconds, which in 1936 is an amazing time. Um, just as a reference, I think the winner last night ran just under 10 seconds, but clearly he had a lot more training and uh, 
assistance with his uh, running than, than Owens did. So his time really does stack up still in the scheme of how fast um, uh, men are running even now in 2021. Yeah, these would be true amateur athletes back then, I would say, in terms of the fact that they're not getting paid to train. They're working a job. They, they don't have the same level of training, technology, et cetera. So 10-3 is electric, I would say, at that time. Yeah. Um, not only did he win the 100-meter sprint, but he also won the uh, long jump with a leap of 8.06 meters, which is, which is three and a quarter inches short of his own world record. So he didn't quite jump as far as what he did during um, his days at Ohio State, but he still jumped pretty far and he got himself yet uh, uh, another gold, Clint. Yeah, two down. Yeah, and there's also another really nice story within the Olympics. He credited his achievement um, in the long jump to advice he received from Luz Long, the German competitor who he defeated. Um, essentially, what he did was Jesse Owens actually faulted on his first jump, and the second time, um, Luz placed like a towel a bit before where he needed to jump, and that really assisted him in, in winning. So um, not only was... A, a great uh, bit of sportsmanship, but also from a German competitor who was probably told that to not really like him or even interact with him. So I think that's a really special moment that happened in the 1936 games. Hitler would have been pulling the sides of his mustache out. I reckon at that. <laughs> oh, that's why it was so short. <laughs> it was after the Olympics where he was so frustrated that his mustache became truly what it was. Um, yeah. Was he- long. <laughs> yeah. Um, he also won uh, the 200 meter sprint with a time of 20.7 seconds. Um, and he actually defeated his, he actually defeated the older brother of uh, 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 Jackie Robinson, who you may know as the first uh, African-American to play uh, uh baseball which again pretty impressive yeah another absolute pioneer yeah um and then we just keep rolling on with all these goals on august 9th he wins his fourth gold in the four by 100 meter sprint um which is obviously a team event and when um and when head coach lawson robertson replaced jewish american sprinters Marty uh, Glickman and Sam Stoller with Owens and Ralph Metcalf, who teamed with Frank Wyckoff and Foy Draper to set the world record to for, at 39.8 seconds in the event. So they weren't even originally in the event and they came in and then they ran an absolute amazing time. Yeah, so I guess like the Jewish um, hate actually got Owens a fourth gold medal in that that they had to get removed from the relay. But um. 39.8 seconds is very fast That's for a half four by 100. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. And as uh, we've spoke about, Jesse Owens wasn't only a great athlete, he was a great man. And he actually initially protested the last minute switch, but the assistant coach said to him, you'll do as you're told. So again, just shows the humility of the man probably knew he could win another goal, but was more than happy to let those who were actually already named in the race to run. So it just shows how awesome he was and that he wasn't all about goal, but about fairness as well. Yeah, really good. Really good to see. And um, look, I'm sure he's been persecuted plenty before that. So I'm sure he didn't like seeing that happen to the Jewish sprinters. Exactly right. Um, Owen's record-breaking performance of four gold medals was not equaled until Carl Lewis won gold medals in the same events at the 1984 Olympics in LA. So 
he held his records for quite a while, which again is amazing considering a lot of the athletes that we know who came after him were also amazing. And he managed to hold his, his record for, for some time. Yeah. Like four gold medals. Um, look, we just saw Kate McKeon do this at the recent Olympics, but um, look, I know Carl Lewis who ended up besting his single game record um, ended up, I think getting voted as the Olympian of the century. So pretty good company to be in there. Exactly. Um, as we said before, he had a world record jump over 8.13 meters in um, in the long jump, and that record also stood for about 25 years until in 19 wow. in, until 1960 by Ralph Boston. Um, and coincidentally, at that event, Owens was there as a spectator in Rome when um, Ralph would make that jump. So just some nice um, moments there in the Olympics where Owens would see his record broken, but I'm sure he was happy to to, to see it by a man who I'm sure he, he, he respected. And 25 years is an incredible amount of time in athletics for a record to stand. Like we're used to seeing records drop really, really regularly. I think the only ones that maybe might've stood for that length of time that I can think of is in the women's, 100 and 200, like, like Flojo from the States from like exactly, back in the yeah. 90s is still yeah. like the fastest ever. But that's that's great that he held it for that long. Exactly right. Although we've spoken about some of the really nice things that have happened at the, these 930 Olympic Games, we did say there was um, some stuff that was going on behind the scenes. And on August 1st, 1936, Nazi, Nazi Germany's leader Adolf Hitler shook hands with the German victors only and he and then he would leave the stadium the international olympic committee president henry uh de belle uh latour insisted that hitler greet every medalist or none at all and uh as we know hitler wasn't a fan of those he didn't like and he opted for the latter and skipped all further medal presentations clint yeah and um Look, I've heard rumours and read rumours that maybe he might have, you know, given him a little Heil Hitler in the dressing room afterwards or something like that. But definitely um, any formal presentations he didn't want to be seen um, to be giving to anybody that wasn't Aryan, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so essentially Owens would com- uh, complete on the second day um, and he would run at 10.30 in the morning. He'd run a second race at 3 p.m., and then he'd do his 100-meter final. So he had quite uh, a busy day, and um, he would equal the Olympic records in the first race, and he broke them in the second race. So he's had an amazing day, but because of uh, some of the wind assistance, he wasn't actually recognized for some of the time. So he would actually run faster than what his, his record was, but obviously they don't count it if it's wind-assisted. Um, actually, later that same day as well, Owen's African teammate... Uh, Cornelius Johnson won gold in the high jump final and with and he had that with a new Olympic record of 2.03 meters for reference uh the gold medal last night was two meters 39 so uh, this this was pre-Fosbury flop though exactly Jimmy, right yeah one of, one of the most iconic innovations Australia has ever given sport so were, so were they just like salmon diving over the top of the high jump bar <laughs> I'm not sure what type of jumping they would have done yeah, watch old high jump footage. It's hilarious. Like, it looks so... I guess they would probably think that the way that modern Olympians do it is weird, but the way that they did it was was 
um, alien, I would say. Yeah. So um, I would I would have loved to have been a bit of witness there, but um, yeah. So 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 considering they weren't jumping in the correct way that they do now, two meter two meters two point zero three meters is pretty impressive. Um. Yeah, so as we spoke about, Hitler didn't uh, he didn't congr- congr- congratulate any of the winners at this time. So the communist New York newspaper, the Daily Worker, claimed Hitler received all track winners except Johnson and left the stadium as a snub. After watching Johnson's winning jump, Hitler was subsequently accused of failing to acknowledge Owens, who won the gold medals on August 3 and 4 and August 9th, or shake his hand. Owens responded to these claims at the time, and he said... Hitler had a certain time to come to the stadium and a certain time to leave. He had to leave before the victory ceremony. After the 100 metres race began at 5.45pm, but before but before he left, I was on my way to a broadcast and passed near his box. He waved at me and I waved back. I think it was a bad taste to criticise the man of the hour in another country. Little did he know how bad this guy was, Clint. Yeah, I don't know if... Um, yeah. I think maybe we could criticize. I think it's not bad taste now to criticize Hitler, but perhaps for this, you know, Hitler wasn't that bad. Yeah. Is that a weird, is that a weird state? That's a weird sentence. It felt strange coming out of my mouth. It's, it's weird to say. Um, In 2014, Eric Brown, a British fighter pilot and a test pilot, um, the fleet's airmen most decorated living pilot stated in a BBC documentary, I actually witnessed Hitler shaking hands with, uh, Owen so and um and he congratulated what he achieved so look there's as we know stories can get blown up some people saw it some people um uh they they didn't but at the end of the day I think it makes a pretty uh interesting story Clint look if this was the first you've ever heard of this um Hitler guy you'd probably think he sounds all right yeah I mean look he's got a weird mustache (laughs) and he wears long socks but look he doesn't seem that bad little Little did they know. Um, yeah, and uh, additionally, an article in the Baltimore Sun in August 1936 reported that Hitler sent Owens uh, a, a, an, an inscribed cabinet and and it had a photograph of himself in it. Such a humble man, that Hitler. Um, later on October 15, 1936, Owen repeated this allegation when he addressed an audience of African-Americans at a, a Republican rally in Kansas City remarking Hitler didn't snub me. It was the president. It was our president who snubbed me. The president didn't even send me a telegram. So a bit of a burn there on the US president, Clint. Yeah. And this is a bit of a narrative. Like if you, um, if we talked about this at the start, what did you know about Jesse Owens before? Obviously great athlete. Yes. Like was a great sprinter. And I would have said stuck it to Hitler at the Olympics. Exactly right. That's kind of what the narrative is. But the more I've researched, got into this, the more I've kind of seen that post-Olympics, it was really America that failed Jesse Owens more than it was. Um, And and we'll get into that. We will. So um, Owens' success at the Games actually caused a bit of confusion for Hitler, who was using them to show the world of a resurgent... Nazi Germany. Damn you, Jesse Owens, for making me look bad. Um, he and other government officials had hoped that the German athletes would absolutely uh, win win the games, and they would every event, and there wouldn't be this this other guy who was who was uh, stealing the spotlight. Um, Nazi minister Albert Speer wrote that Hitler was highly annoyed by the series of triumphs by the marvelous uh, 
colored American runner, Jesse Owens. People whose ancestors came from the jungle were primitive, Hitler said with a shrug. Their, their physiques were stronger than those of civilized whites and hence should be excluded from future games. Oh, Hitler, you could only last so long before you said something extremely racist. Yeah, I'm off this Hitler guy. Hitler's a racist. <laughs> yeah, I, he's probably not a good bloke. Oh, uh, it's, in, it's like, he's like, you had all this like, oh, maybe he did, maybe he didn't shake his hands. And then like next minute, oh, he's black. He, he shouldn't be allowed to race. Oh, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Think things would things would get worse for his reputation after this. Yeah, it would. It would get much worse. Um, but in Germany, Owens was actually allowed to travel and stay in the same hotels as whites at a time when African Americans in many parts of the United States had to stay in segregated hotels that accommodated only blacks. So in a foreign country, Jesse Owens had more rights than he did in his own country. I think that's um pretty damning on on the USA at this time, Clint. Yeah, I remember reading this as well in my research and going, wow, Jesse Owens was treated better in Nazi Germany than he was in his home country, like in a lot of ways. Crazy. I mean, give it three years, I'm sure he would have been shot on sight, but at this time, he, it was okay. Yeah. Um, when o- Owens would have obviously eventually returned to the United States after the Olympics and he was greeted in New York City by Mayor Fiorello LaGuardia if those of you who are from New York uh, an airport is named after this man Uh, during a Manhattan parade in his honour along Broadway's uh, Canyon of Heroes someone actually handed Owens a paper bag Owens didn't pay much attention at the time until the parade had finished and when he opened it up he found that the bag contained 10,000 in cash now 10,000 in cash I feel is still a lot now but in 1936, 37, it was a lot of money. Like you buy a house with $10,000. Yeah, for sure. Like, um, look, people that don't know, Olympic athletes don't get paid. This is amateur sport. So um, the opportunities for athletes are normally when they come home, but they're not normally handed to you in paper brown bags at the, at the parade. So <laughs> good win. <laughs> exactly right. Um, Owen's wife, Ruth, later said um, he and Owen's didn't know who was good enough to to do a thing like that and with all the excitement around he didn't uh see who it was straight away um and he didn't really look until he got in the car so what a nice little treat on the way home i'm sure they went out for uh for um to eat out and, and they would they would enjoy their money um but after the parade Yet again, another example of racism in America. He was not even permitted to enter through the main doors of the Waldorf Astoria in New York and instead was forced to travel up the reception, honoring him in a freight elevator. So the man who just won four golds wasn't even allowed to enter through the front door of a hotel clean. Isn't that just horrific? Yeah, I bet he wished he was back with those nice Nazis, like treating him with respect. Exactly right. Just walk on the streets as a free man, pretty much. Um Franklin uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt, or FDR as he's commonly known, never invited Jesse Owens to the White House and following his triumphs at the Olympic Games when the Democrats would ask for his support, Owens would uh, reject them and he was a, he would he would uh, he wouldn't side with them at all, which is a pretty big stance considering when you think of the uh, Democratic Party now you wouldn't think that uh, they'd have any issue getting um, the vote. Republicans famously um, not unpopular with African-Americans currently. Yeah. But um, yeah, unfortunately though, um, that he was treated poorly. 
Um, yeah, and I think I think if you look back at history, you think FDR was quite a good president, but obviously wasn't his finest moment at this time. Yeah, as um, Owen said in that quote, um, he was so. Owen's not being invited to the White House. You know, we think now like any team wins a championship in American sport and they're invited to the White House. They get photos with them. This guy has just embarrassed Hitler on the world stage. And, um, you know, no, like apart from your parade, when you get back for the people, that's great. But your government, your um, higher ups don't show you the same level of respect. Exactly. And speaking at a, uh, at a rally held in Baltimore, on October 9th, 1936, Owen said, some people say Hitler snubbed me, but I tell you Hitler didn't snub me. I'm knocking the president. And remember, I'm not a politician, but you need to remember that the president did not send me a message of congratulations because people said he was too busy. So yeah, he, he clearly would hold, hold on to this. And I think fair enough because you've just done a great thing for your country. Every other athlete who was white would have received a, a congratulations, but he wouldn't. I think that's uh, pretty sad. Yeah, I believe it wasn't until the 1960s that um, I think it was Gerald Ford when he was president actually kind of like acknowledged Jesse Owens and... Um, gave him like medals of honor and things like that, you know, realizing that the American government had probably treated him pretty crappy on his arrival home. Exactly. Um, and, and as we get to his death, which is pretty uh, soon, Jimmy Carr said something uh, quite nice about him as well, but we'll get in, into the post Olympics. And this is probably the sad part of, uh, of the podcast. And we don't want to spend too much time on this because um he was a great athlete and we want to celebrate what he did, not kind of talk about the rough time he had afterwards. But Clint, if you want to take us through some of uh, the hard times that uh, Owens had um, and we can, and we can move on to celebrating his life. Yeah. So I think with Jesse Owens, you know, obviously he won those four goals medals at the Olympics. Often Olympians will compete at several Olympics. Owen Owen's only completed competed at this one. Like he's already an all-time great off one Olympics. But um, following up with the Olympics, the guy that we've talked about earlier, Avery Brundage, who I think is a bit of he might be more of a villain than Hitler in this story. Not in other stories, <laughs> but maybe in this story. Um, he, as we've mentioned, was the head of the American Olympic Committee. He basically saw how beloved Jesse Owens was in Germany, in Europe and decided, Hey, I've got a cash cow here. I'm basically going to take the American Olympic athletics team around Europe and get them to basically compete at all these events and be able to reap in those financial rewards. But unfortunately the athletes themselves weren't reaping these rewards. Um, Very similar treatment to the way I read it. Jesse was being treated pretty similar to the way his grandparents were, Jimmy. Yeah, so essentially, like, they would just basically run these guys into the ground, doing event after event, travel a really long way, maybe give them, like, a five-minute break time to eat something, to get something to eat, and then make them compete again. And essentially, uh, uh, Owens wanted to cash in on what he'd done in the Olympics. He wanted to get some sponsorships and stuff. But um, as soon as that happened, Avery uh, Brundage, essentially, he cut him off and basically made him almost have to uh, beg to earn, earn a living after this, Clint. Yeah. So I think at one, like 
at the point where Owens was burnt out by this, he wanted to go home, be on the Wheaties boxes, get all the endorsements. Yeah. And um, because like we said, it was amateur athletics. They're not getting paid for this, but I'm sure the American Athletics Union are reaping in um, some quality reward. He got the boat home. He quit. Um, I think he ran his last professional race at this like really tiny event in Britain. Um, and like you said, Avery Brundage basically, you know, blackballed him from the athletics community after that. And Jesse was basically never allowed to compete at a professional level or like at a proper level athletics event ever again after exactly, this. Exactly. Yeah. So his his amateur status was taken away. And um, yeah, so essentially that would lead him to more menial jobs. He'd run against, he'd race against horses. He'd do like little side events at baseball games and stuff. Um, he had a bit of success in, he had got a bit of a handout um, with some work later on. But yeah, essentially he'd really struggle for a long time um, until he kind of got into like, uh, he, he was able to get some work as like, a uh, representative of the US at, at other events later on. But yeah, for a long time, he really struggled and basically had to, it was basically like a, a sideshow at the things he did, which is so sad considering what an amazing uh, athlete and person he was. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think the first thing I saw, you know, probably as a kid, I probably, probably didn't click with me immediately was the Simpsons. Do you remember where they do the flashback of like famous moments in history? Yeah. And it was like Jesse Owens racing against like the Nazi, um, what do you call it? The, the, um, the big blimps. What yeah. were those? The, yeah. The Zeppelin. So he was racing a Nazi Zeppelin in a hit in a Simpsons bit. And that wasn't too far from the truth. Like, I think the only way he could earn money, he would try to organize exhibition events with professional athletes but they would be threatened to be banned from competition as well if they competed with Jesse. So he would end up having to race horses and trains and silly yeah. things like this to earn some money. So I think, you know, his post-Olympics life, it was very up and down from what I read in terms yeah. of finance. Like he would start little businesses. He seemed very concerned with just getting ahead financially, which is understandable for someone that came from such a poor background. Exactly. And I think he did end up okay. And I think he found some success at the end there. But I think the main point is for someone who was such an American hero, he was treated like trash and was forced yeah. to scrape a living when really it should have been people who were honoring him. And he shouldn't have really had to even ask for work, to be honest. He should have just been, been he should have had the rights that he should have had his whole time. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, though, Owens would pass away. He was a pack a day smoker for 35 years, starting at age 32. Um, beginning in December 1979, he was hospitalized on and off with extremely uh, aggressive drug drug resistant type of lung cancer, um, and he died of the, of the disease at age 66 in Tucson, Arizona on the 31st of March 1980 with his wife and family members at his bedside. And he was buried at Oakwood Cemetery in Chicago and the grave inscribed Jesse Owens, 1936 Olympic champion. As we said earlier, um, Jimmy Carter um, probably didn't do the, the best job initially, but, but said a set of um, Owens that, um, after Owen had requested to cancel the Olympic boycott that the president issued a tribute to Owens after he died. And he said, perhaps no athlete has better symbolized the human struggle against uh, tyranny, 
poverty and racial uh, bigotry, which is a a lovely thing to say and probably sums up uh, Owens the um and and the type of guy he was, Clint. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolute pioneer. Absolutely got um you know screwed over by the powers that be in a lot of ways. You know, stood up to Hitler. I think you know that's going to be his popular legacy. Um, got screwed over by his own country. That's the unpopular narrative and one that's really, really sad. Yeah, exactly. And I think if we look back at his life, we think we, I think we like to look at the nice things that happened. I think we, yeah. we, I think as a, as someone who loves sport, I, I remember Jesse Owens from a historical point of view as a man who stood up against racism. He stood up for for people, and he was an amazing athlete who, unfortunately, was wasn't able to to probably go as far far as he could have. But I think I think if he did, he would have been even more impressive. And um, I think it's unfortunate that we didn't didn't get to see him at at, at a second Olympic Games because I think he would have done even better. Uh, it would have been amazing to see what he would have done given the same opportunity as a Carl Lewis or in the same bolt um, to go to two, three, four Olympic Games and see what he could really do. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think that brings us to an end of end of our podcast. I hope you've enjoyed um, our 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 podcast on, on Jesse Owens, and I hope that you've been inspired in some way by his life and the, and the things that he's done. I've been Jimmy D. Yeah, and I've been Mr. B. Enjoy getting around the games and the Paralympic Games if you want to be inspired um, and stay curious. And stay cheeky.